Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome to Around the Corner. Brian Hemminger is here to join me, Matt Schlichting, on this day of days. Unfortunately, I had a little bit of a snafu with some of my recording equipment, and it now smells like burnt plastic, so we apologize for the quality of my voice, but Brian, let them know how glorious you sound. Like butter, baby. Indeed. So we won't take up too much of your time here at the top. We're going to go ahead and hop right into the countdown of the top 10 players in the Indian system and how they did in the last couple of weeks. So to lead us off, what happened? Did we have any news about Sir Tyler Friedman? Uh, no news. Still recovering from shoulder surgery. So hopefully he's back to start off next year strong. So that was an easy one. It's unfortunate that he's still out, but we're looking forward to watching him play next year. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But moving on, uh, a certain George Valera is our new number two overall prospect. And he spent his last entire two weeks at Double A Akron, where he played 11 games. I'd say it was a little bit below average. Not quite the Valera monster that we've been seeing in this second half of the season. Uh, he had an 81 WRC plus over that time period. Uh, still had a great walk rate, 12.5%. That's elite, uh, but the strikeout rate was 30% almost. I did mention, I think, uh, last podcast that he might have a bit of an unsustainable BAPIP going, and uh, the BAPIP dropped down to 296 So, <laughs> for these past two weeks. Uh, he did bash a home run, two doubles, so nothing real crazy. Uh, just a pretty slightly average to below average two weeks, but... At least it wasn't disastrous. And then moving along to the number three man in the system, Nolan Jones, formerly number one overall. And he is still recovering from an ankle injury he sustained back on the 29th, sliding into second base. So uh, I believe he was placed on the injured list. I'm not 100% sure if he was or not. I don't think they really need to at this point of the year. But uh, he has not played since the 29th, so he has missed all of September. That's uh, just a little over two weeks of baseball so far. But, you know, doesn't seem like it was super serious. I think uh, they, the last I heard was it was uh, – actually, I think I messaged it to somebody, the, the exact injury. Um, classified as just a left ankle sprain. So, you know what? If they're going to just – chill and let nolan heal properly that's fine by me it, it's it's a lot better than a broken ankle i'll tell you that yes it is so and, and it's not lenny your lonnie chisholm calves so oh 
I still get I still get nightmares about those. I just I wish we could have seen a full year of healthy Lonnie Chisholm Hall in a Cleveland uniform. Glass. Well, moving on to number four, we have a certain Gabriel Arias who jumped up a couple spots uh, from number six in the midseason update. So how has Gabriel done in the past two weeks? Poorly. He had a WRC plus of 64. 206, 250, 382 is what he slashed. And and what jumps out to me is that he walked about 3% of the time and struck out close to 30% of the time. So tough time seeing the ball at the plate, it would seem. You know what? That's okay. He has been rock solid this entire season. And his age 21 season at AAA, which is very young for that level. So I will forgive him and allow him to have a rough week or two. He's earned the leeway of that. So, and considering everything else we've seen out of him, um, I'm sure that he's going to bounce right back. And it's kind of, I, I mentioned in the recap back on Saturday, I think about Valera starting to see some adversity a little bit. It's really good for kids to hit a wall in the minors because you see how they respond to it. You have an opportunity to coach them to face it and make it a productive uh, force for their development, right? So I'm curious to see how he does. This is the first time Valera's ever played a full season. So, uh, I mean, he previously played, I think, like a week's worth of baseball at rookie level. (laughs) And then he had a half season uh, Mahoning Valley, and then he missed all of last year because of the the pandemic. So, you know, in the case of a guy like Arias, it's I I want to remind everyone how long air quotes around the word long. Bobby Bradley was in the minor league system. Everybody's saying, "Well, is he ever going to make it?" Yes, yes, he will. It takes time. <laughs> so, and that's not to chide anyone. It's just I think this kid could be great. So I hope he responds well. So, Daniel Espino. What can you tell us about his last couple of weeks? All right. It was hit and miss. Um, Basically, he had two starts. One of the starts was insane. Then his last start or his other start was not so great. So it insane in the membrane. It was insane in the membrane. Um, So back on September 4th, um, he went three and two thirds innings, struck out five. Uh, hit a batter, had a wild pitch, had a balk, had a little bit of everything, <laughs> three walks, uh, and allowed four runs on five hits. So I would say it was probably his worst start since he got promoted up to high A. So how did he respond emotionally after a rough start? <laughs> he goes out and goes five and two-thirds innings, 10 strikeouts, no walks, just mowed them down. He only allowed one hit. Unfortunately, that hit was a solo home run. But but five and two-thirds, one hit, ten strikeouts, no walks. Just beast mode. One of the best starts he's had all year. Yeah, and everyone actually off stage at the elaborate podcast studio where we do each of these episodes is nodding along in support with everything you're saying about this kid. So. Yeah, like it's nuts, but... He has struck out 10 or more batters in four of his last six starts. You just don't see that. And actually five of his last seven. And they've all been at high A. So it's not like he was, you know, not getting challenged either. Yeah, it's not like the commercial where Stan goes and uh, decides to rock a (laughs) 12-year-old. 
So yeah, Daniel Espino is the truth. He is he is the way. Consider um, me a follower. Yes, absolutely. Now moving on to number six on the list, uh, formerly number three, Bo Naylor. How did Bo do the past two weeks? He had a pretty good time. A slash line of 290, 353, 419, and that is across nine games. He didn't walk a lot, struck out a lot, 35% of the time actually, but it all adds up to a WRC plus of 114. The bad bit of 444 is, you know, he had some luck tossed in there, but so does everyone from time to time. And you know what? He was swinging hard, and when he put it in play, he did good things. So, cool. Good for him. You know, he needed a little bit of a break. Uh, so, uh, and, and I, I know that it's been a bit of a struggle for him this year, uh, that first taste of double A, but it's always nice to see a, a few bright spots at times too. So, I mean, it can't all be struggle. And while he hasn't quite turned that corner that we were hoping this year, um, he at least is showing some signs of life this late in the season. I think that's good too. Because a lot of guys are running into the wall at this time, like, you know, maybe Valera a little bit. And it seems like Naylor's hitting about as good as he's done all year. Now, I have a question about Naylor for you, but I'll put a pin in it for now. And we'll come back to it at the end of the show before EE Gammings. Sounds good. I'll wait. I will make sure to, to follow up. Sweet. In the meantime, Brian Rocchio. Uh, Rocchio was terrific over the last two weeks. Uh, 340 with a 397 on base percentage and a 566 slugging percentage. And that was over the course of 12 games. Uh, in that time period, he had uh, five doubles, two triples, a home run, scored nine runs, had 10 runs batted in, walked three times, stole two bases. Just an all-around excellent performance, especially considering uh, he is 20 years old and eight months and is playing at double A. So uh, he's been terrific. I'd say the only thing that is even uh, a bit of a you know dark spot in all of those numbers is uh, in those 12 games, he did strike out 18 times. So I'm a little bit worried about that for sure. Uh, that is a 31% strikeout rate. But, I mean, still, he was just crushing the ball when he hit it. So I don't know that we could call it a theme, but it's interesting that we have have a few guys in the system now that were striking out a little bit more, but. And, and they're going to, when you get promoted, you're facing tougher pitchers. You're going to strike out more. I mean, if you get promoted and you strike out less, that's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but not unwelcome. Yeah. Oh no, no. I'd, I'd love to see it. It's just almost certainly not going to happen. So next up, we've got another shortstop in the system. Angel Martinez, number eight. He slashed 233, 298, 419 for the Fortnite. A 92 WRC plus, so close to league average as a shortstop. Mixed in a couple of home runs, four walks. Um, did steal a couple of bases as well, but somehow managed to grab into three double plates, which just feels random. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> At least he did them all in different games. Yes, there we go. But I don't, I don't know quite as much about him. He's fairly new to me. Yeah, Angel is, he was one of the youngest players that started the year in the full season clubs for, for Cleveland this year. We we really hadn't, this was his first time ever even playing in the United States, I believe. If he did, then maybe 
He got promoted to like the rookie league from the Dominican league briefly in 2019. I'm not even, I might be wrong about that either. To, to be having the type of season he's had in his first taste of stateside ball and being a full season on top of that, uh, I'm, I'm ecstatic about what we've seen out of him so far. Like there's a reason that he rocketed into the top 10. Like there are some people that are crazy high on this kid. And he will not turn 20 until next January, late in the month. So he's... Yeah, yeah he's doing this all as a 19-year-old, too. So. And he switch hits. And I hate the phrase, um, projectable frame, all those kinds of things. It feels sort of strange to talk about. But at the same time, it is noteworthy that he's six foot 165 and could probably bulk up a little more. Interesting. We'll have to keep tabs on him. Now, what can you tell us about Gavin Williams from this past couple of weeks? Well, it's uh, going to be pretty easy. Uh, Gavin was our number one draft pick in the, the 2021 draft, and he has not played. He has yet to make his professional debut. So there is absolutely nothing to report on Gavin Williams. Do we have a feel for why he might not have been assigned? From the looks of it, most of the players we drafted did not. Um, I mean, maybe... He had just pitched enough innings, and they're just being careful. It just depends. I think out of all the players we drafted, maybe like four or five I've seen have been pitching, and maybe one hitter I think has been has hit. So you know they've definitely used the baby gloves this year uh, in terms of the draft picks. Well, uh, moving on, it looks like we've got uh, our final. Uh, top 10 performer of the week or top 10 prospect performer. And it is none other than Logan Allen. Um, and I believe that, and this is Logan T Allen for those of uh, you that want to know. Um, yes. Logan, the greater. <laughs> uh, and let's see, how did he perform? I'll have to check it out. I've got it up here. Oh, you do? Okay. Well, He tossed uh, nine and two-thirds innings, and this was another case of a guy who ended up with a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde act for the week, or for the couple of weeks. First game looked great against the Giants' ability. Uh, went four and two-thirds, faced 20 batters, only three hits, two walks, seven strikeouts. Nobody scored. It was a good time. The following week, five innings pitched, 21 batters faced, so, you know, that extra guy. Unfortunately, this time, uh, four hits, five earned runs on three home runs. So he did strike out eight, but he wasn't fooling everybody. So, You know what, though? I will take, if your worst performance of the season is five innings, five runs, eight strikeouts. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it kind of amounts to a wash for me overall. Um, the ERA is a little high because it's not very many innings, but... Nothing to worry about there, especially because he struck out eight and he worked through five. So, and I'll tell you what, do his head. Fangraphs is in love with this kid. Uh, I think every single one of his like uh, things that they rate, they all say that they're going to get better. Like any, and, and they're already good. Like they think his fastball is at least going to get a tick better. They think the curveball is going to get better. They think the changeup is already really good. And they expect it could significantly improve. And they think his command is like only half as good as it has the potential to be. So, I mean, that is some high praise for at least where they think his ceiling could be. 
I hope we get to see him in AAA soon. I feel how, like how awesome would far. it be if you had like a Logan Allen opener for Logan Allen? Oh my gosh! This we're going to manifest this now. <laughs> if everyone could join me in a moment of silence. <laughs> my my only issue, my only issue with it is that they're both left-handed starting pitchers that have similar profiles and throw about the same uh, speed. So, like, would they even recognize that we changed the pitcher? Maybe not. You might be onto something here. we got to get them to do the same facial hair. Like, we'll figure it out. What what I want to know is, what are they going to do if you have two players with the exact (laughs) same name on the team? Because like you can't. you're right. It's like every other team that has like two Ramirez's, it's you know Indians, it's H Ramirez and J Ramirez. No, yeah, or sometimes you get like J O and J yeah, Ramirez yeah. or something. What are they gonna do if there's two Logan Allens? <laughs> Just it's like, all right, is guys. it Logan Allen one and Logan Allen two? So they only get one jersey. <laughs> they gotta they share just it. Take it off. <laughs> he comes in to relieve the other guy. They just gotta change real quick on the mound. It's not a big deal. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they gotta share stats too. We got databases to maintain here. We can't. Anyway, <laughs> we'll move along to our top five performers. Jose for me delighted me. I don't okay. know about you, Brian. All right, let's hear it. He slash 405-436-811 with a WRC plus of 229, 15 hits, six doubles, three homers, two walks. This was between two levels as well because he earned a promotion to Columbus along the way. That's, I think he's the leader in the clubhouse for sure this week. And you know what? Um, There are players that, you know, I'd be devastated to lose to uh, the Rule 5 draft, but we have left him unprotected for two years now, and he's now at AAA and putting up these kind of numbers. I still don't think they're going to protect him. I honestly hope somebody takes him and he gets his shot to play. I know that sounds crazy, but I really like Jose Fermin. Like, I like everything about him. He seems like a really good kid, and he is just a super talented player but there's just so many middle infield prospects in the system that are ahead of him. I want him to get that opportunity. He's only 22. Yeah. It's nuts. I mean, we'll have to see how he continues to produce at AAA. And this might've just been the adrenaline shot, right? It's only four games at AAA so far. However, goodness, he has not slowed down. Quite a good first four few games. Uh, Next up is a player that I do think they absolutely must add to the rule to the the 40 man roster to protect in the rule five draft. And that's Steven Kwan. Um, absolute beast mode. Uh, he has been lights out at double a, and then he got promoted to triple a and he hasn't skipped a beat. So, uh, in the past two weeks, he's slashing 347, 418, 592 with three doubles, three home runs, not known for his power. Uh, but three home runs, scored 12 runs, walked six times. I mean, just sensational. Uh, I know that he has like a similar profile to like a mile straw, but hell, I'll take two mile straws if I get the chance. I think anyone would. It's, you can use them both. They hit, they field, they run. What's wrong with them? Nothing. Great. I'll take two. Do you know what was nuts? 
Uh, Stephen Kwan, I think, was the leadoff hitter for the Oregon Ducks team that won the national champion championship in or that won the College World Series. Guess who the number two hitter was with him uh, on that team? I'm gonna say in the lineup. You probably won't won't guess, but it's a player that's say... already made it. I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's a player in our division that has already made it to the pros and is start has earned a starting spot. Oh, is it your name Mercedes? Is that right? Nope. Shoot. Okay, who is it? Nick Madrigal. Madrigal. Ugh. Just think Quan Madrigal, one-two punch to start every game. And so they won a national championship. <laughs> That's fun. I Yeah, I, I think it's only a matter of time until he makes it. Like, his profile is through the roof right now. Like, he just does not strike out gets on base like crazy and he's driving the ball now, which is the one thing that I had as a knock on him. And he is now getting extra base hits out the wazoo. So they, if they're coming out the wazoo, we must protect them. (laughs) All right. Let's check out who is our third top five performer for the week. Andres Melendez, a catcher in the Indian system. Uh, This is the first time that he has come to my attention. And he did it because in the six games that he played, he slashed 474, 593, 1.053. I always love those one-daughters. Ugh, feels good to say. Uh, nine hits, two doubles, three dingers, seven walks. He is at Lake County at the moment, I believe. And uh, we picked him up from Milwaukee at some point. Uh, do you want to know, know how we got him? I it was think, a trade. Oh, I was going to say that we left him, or they left him at the bus stop, and we just nope, said, come nope, on. We, we did not pick him up at the bus stop. Uh, we sent a player to Milwaukee that was in uh, at AAA in Cleveland at the time, So, and it was Mark Mathias. Ah. So he was the return in a Mark Mathias trade, which just a younger player that didn't need protected in the Rule 5 draft right away. And Mark Mathias went on, and he has got the opportunity to play in Milwaukee. And he's done pretty good. Nothing insane, but he's... Uh, yeah, he got a shot. Yep, he, he got his shot. And uh, Andres Melendez just gets added to that ridiculous catching depth in uh, Cleveland's system. But this is by far the best week he, best two weeks he's had. I mean, it's not even close. And we threw in a, a little bit of a change up here we don't always get to talk about relievers in the top five performers because sometimes they can slip under the radar but anthony goes had a great week didn't he Uh, and for those of you that don't remember anthony goes he is a former major league utility player that ended up you know not making it you know detroit finally cut ties with him as a utility player and nobody else wanted to give him a shot as a hitter so what did he do he completely started over from scratch as a pitcher and he's throwing a hundred miles an hour and uh, he was on team usa this summer in the olympics believe it or not silver medal winning anthony ghost and he's coming up millhouse i love it yeah so he uh in four and two-thirds innings pitched he did not give up a run gave up uh, two hits walked uh, three guys struck out eight so beast mode Great performance, and I believe he did all of that at AAA. Now, speaking of AAA, we have a 
final top five performer, and that was none other than AAA starting pitcher, not reliever, Cody Morris. Uh, this is looking pretty promising. This dude shoots laser beams out of his fucking eyes at this point. I don't know when he started being able to do it. But no, he's like the guy from Avatar: The Last Airbender who like okay. looks at you, and then you hear the go go, and he just shoots a laser out of his forehead, and then you strike out, and that's it. Thirteen innings pitched, ten hits, only four runs, twenty strikeouts. He's been magnificent, and he brings the heat too. Has he touched a hundred, or is he close? I he's can't remember. Hitting ninety nine. Oh, there's a facility somewhere deep within Cuyahoga Valley National Forest, I believe where Cleveland takes these pitchers on some retreat or something, and they just come back understanding the way of the baseball. And it should be mentioned that none of those runs he allowed were earned. <laughs> yes, because he had a he had a 0.00 ERA. So it, even more impressive, I think, that he ends up allowing those runs, shrugs it off, or excuse me, not allowing the runs, but they score because of errors, and he still shrugs it off and dominates. It's great. I think it's even more impressive if you break it down by start, because he had one start when he had five shutout innings of one hit ball with one walk and seven strikeouts. And then the other start was four shutout innings, two hit ball with uh, six strikeouts. And then the, the start, so you mentioned that he gave up 10 hits. Seven of those were in that start with uh, all the unearned runs. So probably got hurt by some uh, defensive miscues in that one. But yeah, I am a huge Cody Morris believer, and he is going to be pushing hard for a spot in that starting rotation next year, which is going to be crazy because we've got five really good starters already, and then he's just going to be right there waiting in the wings for anybody to screw up. Like yeah. the pressure is going to be on next there's, year. There's a thought that occurred to me, but I'm not going to say it out loud because it's crazy. <laughs> what, trade more pitchers? <laughs> Let's just trade away Playsack and Savali, right? <laughs> there is no such thing as a pitching prospect, as we all know. So you can't. I, I knew exactly what you were thinking, though. It's astonishing to me. They just keep churning them out. I, I joke about the retreats into the woods, but they have figured something out, and it's magnificent. Transactions, I believe. All right. Uh, nothing insane in the transactions, but there are a couple big ones. Uh, the biggest, I would say, is um, it just happened, but Savion Curry. Um if you remember, he was the best pitcher in Cleveland's system to start the year, and he ended up getting promoted from low A Lynchburg to high A Lake County, and this week he got promoted again. So he is all the way up to double A now after starting the year at low A, and he is going to be making his first double A start, uh, I believe, Thursday. So I mean, huge. The kid, the kid works huge. hard. Shows up yep. on time, and he does his job. Mm -hmm. I, I think he deserves to get promoted. Oh, yeah. And then uh, in terms of uh, other interesting um, players uh, being moved around, uh, Scott Moss, you know, guy that came into the year uh, really highly regarded. Uh, he's on the injured list. I think they might 
drop him off the 40-man roster at this point. Like, he has just had a nightmare season. Um, he's just been hurt the whole time, and then when he wasn't hurt, uh, he's been ineffective. So it's been a very frustrating year for uh, for Mr. Moss. Um, on the bright side, opposite injury news, Joey Cantillo was activated and has been able to make a couple appearances for A Akron. So finally got that uh, issue with his uh, abdominal strain or whatever it was uh, sorted out. And as we mentioned earlier, uh, Stephen Kwan and Jose Fermin were both promoted from Akron to Columbus. Another player that joined them in the Akron to Columbus move was Juan Ailman. So he is now a triple A. I I just, I'm going to, I've been planning on going to another game down at Huntington Park before the end of the year, but I would love to go see a Juan Hillman start. And then um, Adam Scott, left-handed pitcher, uh, was also promoted uh, from Akron to Columbus. So really, really interesting uh, starting pitching situation. Now, this is a weird one. Remember when Brian Lavastida jumped up to AAA? Oh, was it temporary? It was temporary. It was because, if you remember... Uh, you know, Roberto Perez was hurt. We had called up Ryan LaVarnway and Gavin Collins. And so they definitely needed somebody. Okay. But, so he, 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 but he, he went up and did up. great. He went up and did great. So I think he also opened some eyes that he performed that well. Um, but when LaVarnway went back down, when Perez got activated, and I think Gavin Collins like cleared, I think he was like some kind of COVID protocol or something but he was reactivated at AAA, so they sent him back down. So unfortunately, it was temporary up to AAA. So I, I hate to break that news because that's that's the opposite of the type of news I like to, to promote on transactions. I have an absurd suggestion. So you know how getting called up for a little bit is getting a cup of coffee? I, I think that if a guy crushes it but still gets sent down, we should say, and then he took it to go cup. <laughs> So. Okay, so Lavastida took his to-go cup from AAA. Mm-hmm. I like he'll it. be back. Yep. I think he'll be a regular. Uh, I think he's probably going to be pushing for some playing time next year. Uh, I do have some bad news for you, though. No. So remember how... Uh, Brian, wanted... I said no. I, I Sorry. Ugh. The people need to know. Fine. I will allow um, So remember how you wanted to go up to to watch Columbus uh, to see Juan play. Uh, he was he was placed on the injured list for Columbus just just yesterday with a left forearm issue. So it he's been well, great though. He has been great this year. Uh, rock solid at Double A. Earned the promotion and was leading all Cleveland minor league pitchers in innings pitched. Okay. So I didn't realize he had thrown quite so many innings. That's cool. Yeah, he was at 109.2. Perhaps that played a part in the left forearm issue. I don't know. And especially coming off of last year when basically yep. no one no And one I know it's things. it's not a sexy stat, but he was also leading all Cleveland minor league pitchers in wins with 10. So I'm still a believer in Juan Hillman. I mean, I don't know if uh, they'll protect him in the Rule 5 draft or anything, but uh, I like him a lot. And... I, I've been very happy to see him kind of figure it out a little bit the last two uh, two years because it looked like, you know, he might have been a lost cause when he repeated at single A. And it was basically, it was Lake County before it was high A. So 
he repeated there and did worse. <laughs> I so, remember we like, were kind of hitting the yeah, panic we, button. Yeah, we were, we were in super panic mode. But then they promoted him anyway just because they had to, and he did better. And then this year he was at double A and he did good. So I'm very happy to see uh, to see him have some success. Although it definitely does hurt to, to see him place on the injured list here. So I hope it's not, nothing serious. But I believe that is all of the transactions. Then that brings us to my question to you about Bo Naylor. Okay, let's hit, hit me with it. I got to remember what it was. Oh, no. <laughs> I remember that I was going to ask you something. Ah, here it is. Unfortunately, I am the type of person who can remember things by talking. Surely people have noticed this by now, though. Um, I was listening to the coaches show before a game last week, and they were speaking with the head of scouting and development. I cannot recall his name at the time, but he made a point of saying that Bo Naylor is as good defensively as anyone in the Indians organization. And I wondered to myself, is that true or is that marketing? I, I was think wondering it's true. what you think. I oh, think it's true. Okay. He is an elite athlete that is playing a premium position in catcher. And from everything I've been hearing, like his framing is on point. He is stopping, you know, he does not allow past balls and he's got a cannon arm. Uh, he's been throwing out people at a high rate. So I, I'm totally a believer in that. So uh, I know that the offense hasn't been where we would like it to be, but the defense is. And as we've seen, Cleveland clearly values defense. And just look at how the double A team has been performing with its pitching staff. Yeah, that he is has a good been, point. I mean, he's the one calling those games. I mean, I think it it really isn't until you get almost a full season ball where it's up to the catcher to start calling games instead of because like back in college or in high school, it's the the head coach that calls like every pitch, which is garbage. So, I think the catcher should call the pitches yeah, at every no, level. Come on! Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. But that's a huge step to to be the one in charge calling all that stuff. And to see him doing that and to see Akron's staff just keep churning out stud after stud after stud all season uh, as they have just rotated players that have just continuously gotten promoted up to, to AAA. And I'll tell you what, like even if like, I agree with you, I think that he has been a positive influence on those guys. But even if they are all just really good and he's average, which I don't think is the case. He is surely benefiting from catching guys that are great, right? So even if you're a cynic about it, it's a good thing. You can't really yeah. put a bad spin no. on it. No, I'm totally with you. I think I've heard good things about Labastida's catching as well. And and he is a lot more new to it than, than Naylor because he was a converted shortstop from, I think, uh, community college. <laughs> so like he was a year older then Naylor, when we drafted him, and he was converted at that exact moment, and he has been that good. So, so that I'm I'm extremely excited about the catching in Cleveland's future. Well, is there anything else that you would like to bring to the discussion today, Brian? Uh, do we have any uh, Carnegie cupboard? Oh, I have not at all prepared the cupboard. <laughs> That's okay. I, I, can, I, I can check mine first. I did not put the messages into the press. <laughs> so I will start by looking at a certain uh, Micah Priest to see how my hitting prospect from the cupboard has been doing. And 
For the past two weeks, he's been at High A Lake County, and he's been just slightly above average. Has had a WRC plus of 106. He hit two home runs, had two doubles. Although I am a little concerned about his uh, 15 strikeouts and three walks. But overall, not bad. Not great, but not bad. And then uh, if you need me to check, I can uh, look into my Francisco Perez. I actually have uh, Eric Mock lined up and ready to go for us. He is my pitcher in the cupboard. So he made a couple of appearances in the last two weeks. Tossed two innings both times. Uh, in one, didn't allow any hits, runs, anything, and struck out three, earned a save. In the other, he did end up allowing a hit and a run and walked a couple of guys. So kind of a split week for him. But when you look at the line overall, it looks not bad. Um, so I feel pretty good about it. Then, and we'll see how he continues to... Uh, I don't have a, a, a line to get out of that phrase. I'm just going to <laughs> sadly toss it back to you. Okay, and then uh, my boy, uh, Francisco Perez, uh, he kind of went up and down between Cleveland and Columbus. Uh, While in Cleveland, though, it was exactly one month between appearances. His major league debut did not go well, but his second appearance in Cleveland was sensational. He went two innings and, hang on, I went and uh, made it disappear. Did you blorf the schniff bop? Yep, I blorfed. Okay, he went two innings, one hit, one strikeout, no walks, no runs. So, very nice little performance. He got to sneak in there against Milwaukee in one of the games that we lost, like 18-1. to And then in the minors, he, uh, nothing too crazy, but he made a couple appearances. Uh, Two of them were scoreless, and one of them... Uh, We'll just pretend that one didn't happen. It was hitless, I'll say that, but he may or may not have come in and walked three guys, and then they all came around to score. I might have to graduate him soon since he did appear in Cleveland again, although uh, I would like to see him get a few innings that matter before I graduate him. Fair. Yeah, I think think he can remain in the cupboard. It's getting a little cramped, but we won't boot him yet. So I am now ready to report on Clark Scolomiero. All right, let's hear it. He slashed 158, 304, 158 in his uh, six games in the last couple of weeks, playing the outfield for Akron. He continues to play baseball. And he, what I like about this line is he didn't shy away from his walks, even though he wasn't necessarily making contact. He stayed patient, and he, you know, managed to put up a WRC plus of 46 despite only having three hits that were all singles. Say what you will, but a man who scores four runs with only three hits, I wouldn't cast him aside just yet. Mm-hmm. The legend of Clark Skull and the Arrow grows. Well, I think uh, that brings us to the close of our show, Indeed. which typically involves a certain poem from a certain poet. E.E. Gammings. Um, I feel burdened with the responsibility of delivering this today, but I will do my best. That's fine with everyone. Let's do it. Uh, Let Miss Diaz wants you to have faith in six things. Number one, Finland is hungry. Number two, life has, and yet will never have, 
Islands. Number three, policies. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.